welcome to the Simple Minds Podcast, where six mates unpack three topics over a new drink each week. Fuck it, just go with that, we'll fix it if it's double decade. Boom. Welcome to episode 20. That's a cool little milestone. It is a cool little milestone. And uh, in the room today, we have Matt Hannum. So, oh no, that's not me. That's <laughs> maybe. Oh, hello everyone. Justin Bourne. You are joining us for most of the podcast, maybe. Yep. And uh, Mr. Travis Hado. Ahoy, ahoy. And myself, Marco. Um, I'll be hosting today. I've brought the drinks. I've only got three because I didn't expect Justin to be here. Um, Late edition. Yeah. Well, we can split ours. We're a bit short staff today. We are. We're missing Conrad and Michael. Michael's in, uh, in Edinburgh. And... Conrad is in the US. Where's he in the He's US? In He's in LA. LA now, right? Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Or maybe oh, New York on Monday. Nice. LA at the moment, New York on Monday. No, he's already been there. He's around. Yeah. He was already there. He is, yes. I saw him laying under the ball. Yes, holding the ball. Holding the testicles. <laughs> All right, well, we missed Check him out on Insta if anyone cares to see that. <laughs> Conrad's dream come true. <laughs> Miss them both, but we'll get cracking into the drinks. Pardon Which the pun. today, oi, yes. Uh, today, Hato's got a basketball match in a couple of hours, so I thought it would be unfair to make him drink any booze beforehand. Oh, so it probably makes me play better. Oh, really? Well, there's uh, some whiskey over there from a previous episode that we could crack. Some leftovers. Just but joking, brought... Coach. Never tried it before. <laughs> <laughs> but um, we've got a cool little soft drink from Italy. Um, it's made by San Pellegrino, but it's under Aranciata Rossa which is just a blood orange soft drink, which I love. You I make used it to sound have these. so good, but... I used Say to have again. these Aranciata Rosa. Yeah. I don't know yeah. if that's a proper Italian accent, but <laughs> that's good. me Spanish, Spanishing Spanish my Italian. <laughs> Bastard. <laughs> um, I used it sounds to have, so good. I used to have these ones as a little treat at the end of shifts that I'd work at a bar in Perth called 399. Um, so I'm super excited to have one. Nice. Yeah, Me so too. The way you, you make it sound so dramatic. And I'll split one for Justin and myself. And today on content, we have... Oh, man. It's like, I've never actually poured into a glass. I've always drunk it. Cold. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I'll, I'll take that. Like orange. And uh, Justin... Oh, you can have that one. Sure. Justin. There you go. Cheers. Cheers, guys. Well, cheers, gents. Oh, cheers. It's Friday. Didn't even hear that. No, there's no clink today. Ching, it's all ching, 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 ching. Because <laughs> we've actually got some decent gear now. True. We sound legit. Don't talk about that now. Your voice sounds like even... I, I didn't think this was possible, but it, it's like even sexier in this equipment. <laughs> ah, no comment. Shooters go. No shoot. comment. <laughs> I'll enjoy my... No, I'm not going to try to pronounce it, but my blood orange soft drink. Love it. Are we supposed to talk about it today? Let's do something. Or? No, no, we'll look at the sniff test. It's, uh, it's, it's a got, bit fizzy. It's got a fruity. <laughs> yeah. Fruit earth wood, guys. It's got an earthy fruit, fruit earth wood. texture. Mm. Oh, no, no. hang on. That's, just, that's not a... Gives me oh, a tang. Gives me a tang <laughs> towards the end of the palate. I don't know. Just talking shit. Metallic. Am I up first? You're on, Hato. I better start something. Fair enough. Okay. One word, intrapreneur. Oh, good word. Intrapreneur. Uh, this word kind of came to me not long ago, actually, and it made me think uh, about a few things. But the first thing for me that it kind of, I associate with it is uh, I'm 28, okay? And I have so many, oh, I don't have so many people in my life that this, are like this, but I, I come across a lot of people 
uh, in the last kind of four or five years that are on the same life trajectory. trajectory. They finish high school and that was their goal then. And then, you know, their goal was to get a good TR or ATAR or whatever it's called now. And then it's to go to university. Atari. Yeah. Yeah. And then their their goal is to finish university. I wanted an Atari. (laughs) I never got one, so... Anyway, uh, finish. Let's only interrupt with good jokes. <laughs> Let's make that a rule. Come on, is that a good joke? That's no, a good rule. I'll take it. Can we cut that? Cut. 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 No, I'd prefer right. Nintendo 64. Yes. Same. My password, actually. you're 28. <laughs> anyway, uh, so their goal is to finish university. And basically, they finish university uh, with flying colours or they, they do it half drunk and then they go out and get a job and then they enjoy the job do for they? two or three years oh some people do some people don't I know a lot of lawyers that uh, studied law but can't get a job within the law sort of industry anyway so they go get this job and, and within two or three years they're bored or they don't know what to do or they're not sure about the career they don't enjoy it uh, there's all these sort of things pop up so they start travelling they start doing all this other sort of stuff and uh, yeah, I think entrepreneur, the word entrepreneur and the, the concept has been thrown around so much lately uh, because you guys like Gary Vee and those sort of guys that are pushing it. It's like, well, if you, if you don't like it, go follow your passion and that sort of stuff. And like the first thing that comes to my mind with that is fucking hard. <laughs> like it's, it's not the easiest thing. There's three of us sitting in the room that uh, are balls deep in it. Marco's just I'm, starting the journey But I'm the classic story That you've just described Exactly and that's why I kind of brought this to the table today oh. Because Marco is here I think he could show a lot of insight Within to this topic So my question to you is uh, So entrepreneur I'll, Actually I'll go through a definition of entrepreneur first And this is Mr. Google uh, A manager within a company who promotes innovative product development and marketing so i don't know how true that sort of sounds as that sort of definition but wait can you sorry can you can i i'll just read it yeah that's all right cool i'll read it out again a manager within a company who promotes innovative product development and marketing okay yeah so i guess my question uh to the group today is how do you become and find your passion within the company that you work for or on a flip side as well so what qualities do you want to find within yourself to be, become a great entrepreneur so I guess we probably should talk about what an entrepreneur entails and what it uh, what it is and then talk about sort of the qualities that would go well with that can I I I'm just catching up on the concept. So this is someone within a company we're yes, specifically yep. referring to. Okay, cool. Because yeah. I'd heard a lot of I, th- I'd heard this word in reference to people that were essentially maybe more like freelance. Ah, that's what I had in my head. But okay, cool. So we're talking well, that, about that, someone within a company. That's an interesting, yeah, <clears throat> for freelancers as well. Yeah, but I think entrepreneur within a company is really interesting. I've been exposed recently. It's funny you bring it up. How yeah hard it is to be an entrepreneur and then there's that question of like which I think we've discussed on this podcast whether everyone's built to be an entrepreneur and or anyone could be which I think had mixed responses 
Oh, sorry. That, Ooh, <laughs> that was me. That was my chair. And then I just hit the, hit the glasses over. My bad. Sorry, Justin. That non-alcoholic drink <laughs> is really getting to us. Um, and, yeah, because not everyone is, like, everyone can give it a go, but not everyone's built for it because it is tough. Like, the stuff they say about, you know, any logical person why would you do that once you've experienced it you're like it all starts to make sense um and with social media and everything that kind of glamifies i guess entrepreneurship and all the things that come with it like this freedom and flexibility and cash and um all that other stuff is far from far from true um and i think a lot of people I think the key is like, yeah, again, finding your passion. What are you really good at? And understanding, which I believe that there are good number twos out there and not everyone has to be a number one. Um, and I think it's joining, finding, I guess, to come back to your, to the question a little bit, it's almost wraps around self-awareness, right? Understanding who you are, what you're built for and finding, which we've touched on, an organisation that you believe so much in their vision and their culture as well, like you believe in what that organisation as a whole is trying to do or that, that company, and then, and then just going all in and doing the best that you can um, within that, that, I guess, company. Not everyone has to start their own thing, I guess. Because um, I have, you know, a team, and I would probably encourage a few of them to be um, entrepreneurs, yeah, entrepreneurs. Yeah, I, th I think we sort of use the term as if it's binary like you're an entrepreneur or you're just not. And there's just so much, you know, there's a lot of gray area in between, which is where most of us probably sit and live. So, like, one thing that is interesting is like the entrepreneurs seem to like quit their job, run away, and start something. But there's a lot of great people that are now running great businesses and they're entrepreneurs and they might have been the number two and they probably wouldn't ever go, have gone to number one from nothing. But having run that business, been an entrepreneur for a long time, can take and step up and, and drive that, you know, that business or organisation. And I think it's really interesting that I just, I think the, the other word that I didn't like in that definition was manager, which suggests that you sort of have to be like the number two or three or five in a big organisation. Because I think one thing that we've lost sight of in all this noise of this social media um, around, you've got to be an entrepreneur, like slinging cash, you've got to freedom, go, I'll, I'll be hanging out on my island making money online, is that it's just a way of thinking. It's, a, it's a innovating, it's doing something different and it's organising change. And you can do that at any level in any organisation. You can affect change. And so I think we, we neglect the impact that thousands and hundreds of thousands and probably millions of entrepreneurial type people could have in, in affecting change in companies all over the world. But even on that, right, even if that, say that entrepreneur gets to the top spot, whether that is, if that's established or whatever, the risk of the original, it's not the same. The, the elements that that person has to deal with is not the same, right? So that's where I would still debate that not everyone's built to be, like, if you're number two, you're an entrepreneur. I mean, this is probably a bit of a segue. It's not really on the, the, the question. But, yeah. you know, if someone was, yeah, high level leader, manager, and then they get to, say, the top spot in the organization, you would expect, and maybe it's 
um, a big assumption that the organization is pretty stable. So the risks and the, the stresses and the anxieties and all the bullshit that we typically, you know, what we have to deal with yeah, yeah. Um, it, are not really the same. But that's not to um, disempower the number two to say that they are just as important. And an entrepreneur, I think, you know, an organization is just as important as the co-founders or the founders or whoever of an organization as well. Yeah, like I, that's what I was saying about this, sort of it's 100 or nothing. Because we, uh, there's only ever going to be a, the 1% or tiny percent that is the, the person that sits at the top and the person that founded each organization, especially as they get bigger. Like there's only so many people that can do it globally. But I think we discount everyone behind that in the way that we put them on this pedestal. There's so many important people and so many entrepreneurs all the way down. And there's nothing wrong with that. A lot of that comes down to risk profile and, and tolerance. And someone might have a really high risk profile, but just but, not quite that but high. But and they're better off in that space. And that's, part of, what we're, and that's part of what we're saying, though, right? That yeah. is trying to identify that, you know, there is actually nothing wrong with doing that. And I think if more people were just accept it, which is probably humility too, right? Just going, look, this is what I'm built for and I'm going to give it all to this um, whether it's an organization or a well, I company. think you, you hit it on the head before, and it's you got to buy into your company's vision and and buy into where the the company's mission as well, obviously. Because if you don't buy into it, then you're not willing to go to that next level uh, as an entrepreneur and give that 110 percent and be still a risk taker and still uh, have those qualities of an entrepreneur, but within a, a system. So I think it's very important to, to know that. And it's funny, like I read a few articles on it and there was two that came up. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a lover of Richard Branson. I think he's fantastic. And there was actually a fair bit of content. Oh, you didn't make the book. What's that? Didn't I didn't make it. No, I didn't. <laughs> Another bad joke. That a joke, Mark? No, that was terrible. <laughs> I'm just going to set that one out. <laughs> I think it was uh, too high level. Yeah. Uh, anyway, for me, for me too. Uh, <laughs> no idea. Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> where was Sorry, I? Virgin. Uh, so Virgin, there was a lot of content on being an entrepreneur within Virgin, and they actually pushed a lot of content out. And uh, their one of their articles was you know three qualities of all great entrepreneurs. Uh, which they have in common. And another one that I read was uh, about, uh, from Forbes in 2013, and that was the four essential traits of entrepreneurs. Uh, I'll go through the Forbes one because I think that's quite good. Um, the first one is uh, money is not their measurement. So basically, uh, you know, you're not driven by the money aspect of it. Uh, the second one, uh, they are the greenhouses. So when you speak about an intriguing idea to, to an entrepreneur, uh, the idea never leaves them. It germinates with them, their mind, and they carry with their desire to figure out how to make it work. You know, you speak to them the next day and they've already already uh, started a grand plan on how to execute it. Uh, the third one, they know how to pivot. Uh, entrepreneurs aren't afraid to change course, nor do they fear failure. So, uh, actually, we'll go to the fourth one as well. They behave authentically with integrity. So most importantly, entrepreneurs exhibit the traits of confidence and humility, not the maverick of not the maverick behavior of corporate hotshots. So you could say that entrepreneurs obviously need those qualities as well. Mm. Uh, so they, they cross over. 
Uh, but where, where, how does that sit with you guys? In terms of the behaviours of an uh, entrepreneur? Yeah. Uh, from the experiences I've had, I would agree with them. I mean, I think at an overall high level, the majority of the qualities would need to cross over and be consistent. The Probably the biggest difference between maybe an entrepreneur, I think this is what you touched on, is risk profiling and your capacity to be persistent. Um, because being the entrepreneur, there's just so much uncertainty. You just don't know what's going on. It's a roller coaster. It's full on. If you don't have the mental toughness for that, that's probably where the switch is. Because the otherwise, I think the base core qualities would are essentially the same. And my take on Virgin, sorry, sorry, Mike, I'll just chuck this in. My take on Virgin is that they really see themselves and always have as a very innovative group of companies, which is why I'd say they're putting this content out there to their people to try and show them that this is what they value and this is how they want to approach. It, this was probably communicated to the same people 20 years ago. We just didn't use the word entrepreneur, entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. We just used the word innovation and how they went about things and had a bit of fun. So I think that's just them almost laying down their value set. And, but I completely agree. And it, all, all that changes is, I guess, maybe who might have come up with the original idea, who, who has the risk profile and who pushes it. And there's, there's always got to be one person, you know, that probably takes the highest point of responsibility at the end of, of any, every organisation. Someone's got to make the final decision. They might not always be the number one. Some, probably a lot of number twos and number threes end up being the person that seems to make a decision in an organisation. But... Someone, the buck has to stop at someone, right? And a quick one on that, I think where you started to go with that is the organisation itself, I think, has to encourage it. And that's got to be something that flows through in terms of culture. Um, because you could work at a company where that stuff is squashed and kept on, like, the, the, the leadership team doesn't want that because it challenges their ego and they're like, nah, fuck you, you know, you know, you don't want people within the lower levels to have these great ideas. And so I think it really depends on the uh, organisation that you work for, whether you can flourish in that um, uh, as that type of individual too. All right, so going, going back to kind of the original concept and that's where I'd probably like to hear about Marco tell us a little bit about your journey and in the last sort of 18 months Mm -hmm. with uh, being in the corporate world and then kind of finding your passion you know outside of the corporate world and and just talk chat a little bit about that yep excuse me sorry Um, my story is of um, I think best summed up in I went I was in a elite private boys school um, and very competitive by nature. So the environment there is to get the highest grades and go to uni and do the hardest. So that was the, that was the context that I was um, kind of studying in. And then when I got the grades that allowed me to choose pretty much any subject, um, <clears throat> I chose to do engineering and finance um, because double degree sounded better Uh, I thought people would want that more on my resume and my dad was an engineer, his dad was an engineer, so um, I studied engineering. So what the reason I give that story is because it took me about... Oh, and then 
once I finished university or while well, I was approaching finishing university, I'd made my way into petroleum engineering and I looked at what were the hardest companies to get into and applied for the ones that I thought I couldn't get into but were still the hardest and luckily enough somehow got in. Um, and <clears throat> it took about two or three years of me continuing that work ethic to realise that it was I, I was running out of fuel and when and I was getting really tired because normally I'd been able to just continue to grind through the study and all the things that I needed to, to do to get into um, those things that seemed quite hard at the time. And my fuel started to run out and I started getting um, a little, started questioning where I was and I realised that all the decisions I'd made up until that point had been based on what I thought people would think of me. And so I picked really hard degree, uh, I picked really hard subjects <clears throat> because I thought it, people would think I was smart. Um, I, picked Shell, uh, I picked going to Shell because it was very hard to get into it, it had a great reputation and oil and gas pays well. But none of them had ever been because I wanted to truly be a petroleum engineer. Or, um, I have a passion for subsurface uncertainty and um, big, big scale engineering projects. None of those things really excite me. I'm not a typical engineer in, in, in those respects. So um, <clears throat> that's the context of the, where, I, where I got to in questioning where I was. And then I went through a period of, well, I'm going to take some time away from work. I took uh, unpaid leave for four months and then I've been back part-time and all I've done in 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 that spare time has been try a whole bunch of different projects um, because all I knew was I didn't want to do that but what am I doing about figuring out what I do want to do so uh, that led I went through a bunch of different projects some went well one failed uh, when that one failed I decided to put together a video um, to try and raise money for the funds that I needed for that project and actually, in making that video, <laughs> managed to answer the question of what do you lose track of time doing, which is a question that you guys have heard me ask before. I've mentioned it on this podcast. I lost seven hours making that video and was like, well, there's my answer. I found it through the failure of a couple of things and a long journey of giving myself some space. So, yeah, sorry, the long-winded answer. That was a long-winded answer, but I think it gives good context to where I'm at. Um, Correct me if I'm wrong, but was the um, was the original intent of your question? How do you how do you get passionate about being within an organisation? Yeah, it's it's more for like say someone who is passionate about engineering, right? Uh, say if it is about for someone, uh, someone is sorry, Justin Bourne's leaving at the moment, so he just put me <laughs> off my uh, train of thought. Bye bye. Yeah, say it is. It is for someone that uh, loves engineering, mm -hmm. right? But they're still stuck in a in a corporate um, hierarchy. How does that person uh, who have who has these qualities mm. uh, excel in what they do? Well, so, uh, so can I just cut you off? Because I, I think you need to find the right place. So I, I would like I wouldn't define you, Marco as an entrepreneur like in in this respect mm. you you might be in at you know at your workplace mm -hmm. but you're actually working there part-time mm -hmm. to 
basically cover your cost of living while you mm-hmm. apply yourself towards a different vocation. So my view of an entrepreneur is more someone who's definitely behind the cause of what yeah. you know what their yeah. career or yeah, place definitely. that they're at is. So I wouldn't like you, you're now you've moved into a working towards a freelancer to potential entrepreneur space depending on how how and where you take it but Mm -hmm. i think you may still have entrepreneurial tendencies you might be questioning things that in you know at work we just don't know about those because you're not that passionate that you talk about them all the Mm -hmm. time right so it's it's more about i think those people within the companies that are you know and i so basically to answer your question there trav i just think if you're not passionate about what your company does, find a way to do the thing that you do in a place where you think you could be. Mm. I, I have a slightly different view in that I can un- now I can understand why people would work somewhere that they're not passionate about. If they've done the, the analysis of what the benefits are of what they're getting in that place and they outweigh the fact that they're not behind the cause of the company or um, any any raft of other reasons, then I can totally see it because for a while there, I what I did was when I was really unhappy at work, the what I really worked on was gratitude for the fact that I had that job. So my journaling was a lot around, I'm really grateful that I can go to work today because I have I can contribute to this team. And I just forced myself to feel that gratitude. Um, and knew that that was trade that even though I didn't necessarily buy in or I still don't necessarily feel overly passionate about what we do um, the fact that it was covering my cost of living was enough hmm. and it, it and it was allowing me to, to to have all of this other spare time and they were offering me the flexibility to work part-time so I have nothing but gratitude and respect for the way that they've treated me. I, when I do finally leave, I, I will leave really grateful and I, I, I still hold the company in really high regard. What um, has happened though, is that I've now realized that it's not enough for me to be kind of dipping my toes or like kind of straddling the fence. I want to go full into the other one and I want to accept those risks, but um, you, yeah, you can you can operate as both. Yeah. Sorry, I wasn't saying you were an entrepreneur. No, I didn't think I was, you were. I was either, just yeah. saying that your story is very similar to a lot of people uh, I know in sort of my generation that mm. around social circles. Yeah. Uh, and I think the there's a lot of people that are passionate about their jobs, but they don't know how to excel at it uh, within the system. Okay. And that's why I wanted to get back to the qualities because that's very applicable to. Uh, people within that system that who do love what they do yeah you know say uh ashby she's a teacher right so how does she uh, so ashby's my wife she's a teacher how does she take those qualities or you know that entrepreneurship and make change for it might be only 30 kids or 25 kids that Mm -hmm. are in her class but how does she do it within the systems that confide her because uh, yeah, she's so extremely passionate about it. She's not an entrepreneur. She doesn't want to go out and start her own thing. Mm-hmm. She loves what she does. She loves evoking change in the kids and, and seeing them grow from you know start of the year to the end of the year. Uh, and that's where I kind of ca- the article was quite good because money money isn't the measurement. Like you can't do what you do uh, purely for the money fact because you will get found out at the end of the day. 
you know, like there's an element of that yeah. in yourself. By yourself, yeah, right? Because sure. you get found out because yeah. you're unhappy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's, I, that's, that's, that's what, what I think it is. You just, yeah. if, yeah, because if, you, if you're someone that works really hard and pushes yourself a lot, but the reasons that you're doing things are external. That fuel is very thin and it'll run out and you'll crash and you'll find yourself out. I've been very clear with, with the people that I work for that I'm there because it affords me this flexibility and it pays well. And that, that was a really great conversation to have. But that's that's running out for me. And because you have that clarity, right? Yeah. You will, you will perform better in your role than the person yeah. that's doing yeah. that role. But can't see yeah. a vision and a path forward yeah. because they they will just be consumed by that thought process yeah. in a negative frame, not able to see and feel and taste that gratitude yeah. and, and therefore they're not... And, and look, this is probably a massive percentage of the population that sits mm. in this sort of frame. They've got somewhere because of their intelligence, their skills, etc., but it hasn't connected to heart mm. and they haven't... They're now stuck because they're getting too much money potentially from what starting again or making a pivot might look like. Mm. You know, we, we get down the path where they've made a lot of life choices. They're past a particular age. They might have family, other things that they can't just make a, make a pivot yeah. without putting some serious effort into it. But I want, so going to uh, the question that, or the, you were talking about Ashby and asking how does she affect change within the structures that she is quote unquote confined to is that that's what you were asking yeah Yeah, i just wanted to make it applicable to uh your joe public that was unsure where they were but they wanted they wanted more from what they're actually doing but they do still love what they're doing but they just weren't they were just unsure of how to go about it uh, that's where I was coming from because I think there's a lot of people in that s- the situation you were saying, Matt, where, um, yes, there are a lot of unhappy people who live for the weekend and live for their holidays. But I think there is a big percentage of people that love what they do, mm. but they still want to push the envelope and, and um, you know, have that entrepreneurship, on, entrepreneur mindset uh, for the business, for the company that they work in. Mm. Uh, and just people just don't know how to go about that or what to practice or, you know, and it's like Justin was saying, that humility and the, the gratitude of the scenario that you're in, mm. firstly, I think mm. is a big, big thing. Uh, but yeah, that's just, I just want to bring the topic up. I reckon, well, I mean, I'm not a great authority to talk on it, but just try stuff it would be my suggestion for people that are feeling stuck and don't and, and want to be able to implement affect more change because sitting there wishing you could is only going to cause you stress and anxiety whereas just trying to test a small boundary somewhere you'll feel a little better and if and if it goes completely wrong then you try a different boundary and then if you find that none of those boundaries move then I'm sure that wherever they're working, it's not the only organization that does that. So test, test, test until you find that actually, no, the whole thing is broken with respect to how I fit in here and and then move. Cool. Well, I might lead that straight into okay, uh, cool. my topic yeah. uh, because I... It, it was born, my, my topic pops up because of just a few meetings that I've had over today and, and also during the week. And um, I wanted to just raise and discuss the importance of choice. And I, I think it sort of really does lead into 
um, yeah, or yeah, leads into this from the conversation we're having. And I guess one of the things I was considering is that we really only do make a few really significant decisions throughout our life. Okay. And whether that be partner, career related, even if we adjust careers, like for the most part, people, I think on average, end up having three careers in their life okay. where they've got three different vocations. So uh, I was thinking, at what point do we that we actually make these choices versus, versus they just sort of happen to us, you know, for across the general public. But it, it got me basically Googling things like, you know, how important, what is, what is the importance of choice? Um, how, do we, how do we make important choices in our life? And I pulled up a passage by Dr. Bobby Stevens. That's, oh. a, that's a cool name. In an article that's titled The Importance of Choices. So... It is so important to understand that we are all making choices all the time. Even when we choose not to choose, we've still made a choice. It is our choices that determine our experiences. The choices we are making today will show up in our experiences in the future. Unless we are willing to take full responsibility for ourselves and the choices we make, we have no control over our lives. We have been given all the power to create our experiences through our choices but if we believe that outside forces are responsible for our choices, we give away all the power we have. Sometimes making the right choice or even knowing how to choose is very difficult, but it is vitally important to understand that you're in charge of your own life if you choose to think for yourself. If you choose not to take charge, you will experience the consequences of that choice and simply be blown about by, like a leaf in the wind. And that reminded me of a phrase that Conrad often says, which I can't quite, something about you being smashed against the rocks, um, something of your own folly. But anyway, so I wanted to, to raise that passage because I feel like I've just witnessed recently a lot of just choices not being made by people and things just eventually happening by default. And I, I was curious to, I guess, raise that as a topic and just see what you thought about that passage and... Um, my sentiment this week. Do you you, do, <laughs> you, you know the pe- that? Yeah, are you going to give us any more than you've noticed people not making decisions and things happening to them? Okay, well, I'll give you a a, a sort of generalised answer because I won't raise people that I'm talking about. But let's talk about business. So I've clearly witnessed people in business this week that I believe are almost sort of lucky to still be there. <laughs> Um, and look, I, I, I'm way back in the day, I, I started life in my, my career life as an insolvency accountant, and I definitely saw people as I was helping, like pulling businesses apart and trying to put them back together and sell them. People that just didn't seem cut out for the job, but they'd made the choice to start something like at the right time somewhere, or you know, what they just sort of whether that where it was like whether that was their decision or not, but they just weren't cut out for the you know what was going on now. And I feel like I see people make those decisions, say to start something, if I'm talking in a business sense, and then lots of little things, bad things happen over and over again until eventually, let's say that business is dead, but they just didn't they choose they made a choice to start and become an entrepreneur like you know in the early days but then they didn't want to tell marco that 
um, you're not doing it right. And then they didn't want to tell Travis that, you know, we could we could do things better this way. They start making or taking the easy path rather than making decisions and choices. Mm-hmm. And eventually they end up with a big problem. It's all about momentum. And there's a book called The Slight Edge as well, which is a pretty cool book. And it, it's just about those little decisions and little habits every day. Either your momentum's going forward or it's going backwards. And in this case I'm talking about, eventually this is a loss of a business. It probably lasted a lot lasted as long as it did because of luck in terms of economics and markets and things like that um, versus the the skill of the operator, so to speak. It's it's far easier to lie to yourself than be truthful. Yeah. And in a business sense, sense I I was doing it this week, uh, Monday, Tuesday. I was like, I need to make these five phone calls, follow up these leads. Uh, yep. Yep, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. And then comes Wednesday, and I was like, "No, you're gonna, you're gonna actually do it today, because you've put it off Monday and Tuesday for that reason." Because I was lying to myself. I was saying I can't do it, or you know, I was like, "Yeah, yeah it'll be fine. Like, I'll do it. I don't need to." But at the end of the day, you, you, you have to be 100% truthful with yourself, especially if you're in that leadership role and you're the, the head of the point, like the. Because it's bigger than you, right? Absolutely. Other people matter too. Yeah, but when it comes down to life choices, you know, you're taking a passage from what you just wrote, uh, read before, and you're making a choice by not making a choice. Mm-hmm. By sitting on the fence and not making a choice, you're choosing it not to be in your destiny. And then you're choosing for yourself to play the victim at the end of it when it doesn't go your way because you said, oh, well, I didn't make that choice, it's not my fault. Yeah, and I, personally, I think that's a very unhealthy way to live, uh, because yes, you you're gonna make bad bad decisions, you're gonna make bad calls sometimes, but if you own your own shit and you make your decisions and you live by it, I think you're you're far you're gonna be far better off in a business sense, in a life sense, in a relationship sense, in a just life sense. I think it's like most of the stuff we raise it it's yeah it's it makes so much sense and then it is so hard to implement and execute you know? <laughs> oh yeah but even because i totally agree with it i totally agree with it own all your own shit uh and and understand that if you choose not to or if you choose not to decide then that's that's action and decision in itself and and at a high level, I can see all the stuff that I'm deciding and acting on. But then, you know, even on the next things down in a day or the next things down, you can always go down and be like, well, I'm not making a decision there. So I'm choosing the the maybe less beneficial outcome for what I'm going for. And then you just have to reflect at the end of the day, be like, well, on balance, did I make or was I present enough to make decisions that get me to where I want to go or not? And you'll have some days where you you have real slack days and you have some days where you, you're going where you want to go. But uh, I'm, a, I'm a massive advocate for that stuff. And I think I, I really pick up on when people, because I, because I have it so far in mind, I really pick up when people, um, I don't know if you guys get this as well, but you just pick up when people make themselves the victim in, in really seemingly... Yeah stupid stuff and, or and just not, play the not victim. the victim of themselves yeah <laughs> it's yeah it is themselves, and, right? and 
so I think I'm on the right track from that perspective that I'm, I'm at least aware of it. But do I do it every single second of every single day? No. But do I try to with the big things? Yes. Yeah. Um, well, as I sort of threw that generalized statement there, and not that I wasn't. No, I mean, but I don't think it's a place. bad thing to no, throw I, generalized statements no, out but there. But I threw that there, and I was like, I was like, basically, you're talking about yourself as well. Like, I, like yeah. Because as I as I generalized that, I'm like, yeah that situation this situation like we all we all yeah, do it yeah, yeah. and you're just watching it going all right these what, what so what is it about us like because i don't think laziness is the answer like why why do we not make the choices like why do we yeah is does it tie back to the the strength of the vision i mean what what is it that sort of causes us like hey i mean what you just said how I many I, I can't even count how many times i've rolled in on monday and said i was going to do this and that and then rolled it on tuesday and said today i'm really going to do this mm. <laughs> and then yeah you know, not like you didn't do anything that day but because you carry those over that's all you seem to remember the next morning when you wake up mm. and you carry like like you say marco the balance of momentum so you you wake up the next morning saying yes i made momentum towards where i want to be going or no I really let that down because it's not really about your output of work. It's mm-hmm. just your sentiment on it, right? I think it's a, it's a two-pronged th- uh, answer, on all my, my theory anyway, mm-hmm. is uh, knowing your vision very well, yeah. really well. Because if you know your vision and know where you want to go, then you can make your decisions based on, you know, wanting to be, you know, carry out your vision. And the other thing as well is... Uh, the second part to that is knowing your beliefs as well and your values. So to go to your vision, uh, obviously you have to make decisions, but if you're making decisions that don't align with your beliefs and your values to get to your vision, then you're not going to uh, execute and and action those things, you know, all the time uh, when needed. Uh, That's why like sometimes I put it off like, you're saying that you're going to go, oh, I'm going to do this. And it's like, well, why am I actually doing it? Why do I need to do it? What's it, What's the bigger picture here? Rather than it's just a small little blimp on the map. Mm. I guess the, the counter to putting off all of those... I was having a, this, this exact chat with my housemate on a run this morning where, you know, seemingly stupidly trivial admin tasks that we need to get done for the house right just like we we came home slightly inebriated one night and smashed a smashed a a mirror that we had in the bathroom so i went out and that week bought another mirror to put in the bathroom that mirror has still not gone up in that bathroom Yet in that time, right, uh, my <laughs> I managed to learn a whole bunch of stuff, say videography-wise, and he's managed to book multiple flights and organise visas in different countries to race in different Ironman races, which are big logistical things. But, you know, you, you do get these little things that, like, your admin... So tying it back to the admin stuff, I think a good counter to that is be like, well, why am I finding it so difficult to do it not why do i want to do it it's why am i finding it so difficult and then when you see oh it might be because it's going to be a maybe it's going to be a slightly like uncomfortable conversation you go really that's it that's the reason and you trivialize it and you make it that small you go okay well i'm just get it done like what's the worst going to happen and put it in a positive note like maybe i'm going to learn to be a little bit more resilient in an awkward conversation on the phone 
so I'm going to do this now and then I'll, and I'll write one sentence on how, how much I learned. And then you feel great. I don't know. But on the flip side, right, I think this comes back to like what you said about the, that achievement mindset and the reason why you started your story about went to this school, mm. this was the mindset, it was all about doing the hardest thing, grabbing the double degree, you know, et cetera, et cetera. I think that's the problem with it because it doesn't matter that the mirror's not up, right? No, it the, doesn't. The problem is that you told yourself you had to do it last <laughs> yeah, Monday. Yeah, exactly. The problem is that in your mind you said, I need to achieve that thing. Yeah. But that thing is fucking meaningless, actually, yeah, well, in, in truth. Yes. Like, I mean, back to my main <laughs> thesis at the moment, which is everything is meaningless anyway. But, but exactly. But the only problem is, but you'll beat yourself up. Like every day for weeks, if something stupid yeah. and trivial, spend more time on that than, than other things. Yeah, And more time on thinking about it than mm. it would take to stick the bloody thing on the wall. But a but good, it's because you told yourself you had to have it done. Yeah, but a good, um, a good counter to feeling anxious about because I'm. Let me tell you guys, I'm totally at peace now that that mirror is not up, and it's actually just a funny thing that we refer to from time <laughs> well, to time. The mirror doesn't align with your vision, so yeah, exactly. exactly. Who cares? It it's a bit low now on the wall. Like. Yeah, yeah, but like <laughs> putting it up no, is not that know, important. But I was just using oh. it as an example, you know. But no, but I, I agree. I feel like I do this a yeah. lot, and then I'm like. Why am I giving myself crap? Because I wrote that thing down yeah. at the bottom of seven things I wrote down that I had to do today. Yeah. Because I decided that today I had to achieve yeah. whatever was written on paper. Yeah. It's not that bl- – it was never important. But I'll do that. Like exactly that. Exactly what mirrors the perfect analogy for But me. also what I find quite empowering is if I get to the end of the day and then do a bit of a review on have I done what I wanted to do today, you know, have I – I've got a bunch of questions that I ask myself and do a little bit of writing on. If the answer is no, and I start feeling anxious because maybe it's the second or third day that the answer is no, then I go, well, actually, I've been making decisions that have put me in this place. So it's my, that's where I've put myself. So yeah, you're back to the thing, the, the passage, which is it's all a decision. And when I confront, essentially, you're just confronting yourself there and you own the fact that you're not doing the work, then your actions aren't mapping to your words, so shut the fuck up or get it done tomorrow or get it done now. Like, start right now. You know, don't go to sleep. Do the stuff. If you if you can sleep, then they're not that important, you know? Have you ever um, had your to-do list there and, like, just done something, like, five minutes earlier and you write it on and then cross it out? Yeah, yeah, just all the time. Yeah. I, I actually have. <laughs> you yeah. actually waste the five Everyone seconds. Everyone does that. <laughs> actually you got to do it. Oh, that sense of joy, though, is... <laughs> You've already done it. I don't think I've ever carried anything over from the day before, but I'm pretty sure I've, like, got up, finally wrote down three or four tasks at, like, 9 or 10 a.m., and I've already ticked off a couple. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, you finish writing your to-do list, and then you add write to-do list, yeah. and you're like, tick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. No, nah, cool. Well, I really, I really believe in that passage, and... I, again, I like to call myself out on it because at a high level, I'm always thinking about it and um, I might get in some people's faces about it. But then I can always find somewhere where I'm not honouring it. Uh, And, yeah, I just keep going down further and further there. But it it serves as motivation and it serves as accountability to myself and it also serves as a counter to if I'm feeling anxious about not getting somewhere. It's my fucking... that's, That's my fault. It's no one else's fault. It's my fault. I think you know, right? Like, you, you, we do 
sort of subconsciously know that we're, there is a decision that needs some action and we let it fester. And the more that we do let it mm. fester, we really, we find ourselves in a bad place for a lot of things. And we actually probably find ourselves starting to make other bad decisions because, you know, it is, it's all momentum based. And um, so the, I, I guess I'm always trying to look back on that. There's always something that's not being done or should be done. And ironically, I think a lot of it is habit and system based. So you just, you make a decision like, for whatever reason, I fell out of hitting the gym for a few weeks, right? We know, we know why. Gyms change. People that own gyms change. <laughs> um, but all of a sudden, it's a few weeks and I haven't been there because something broke in my typical system and my typical flow. So just this morning, I started back up. It's a new system. And all I had to do was that one thing, make yeah. that couple of quick messages. All of a sudden, I'm back on a new rhythm and it'll go again. But why did I wait three weeks to Yeah, fix exactly. It? Like it should have been fixed the next day. And I didn't have to like carry through, you know, time problem for yeah, three you weeks. You just did nothing about it. For That's three it. weeks, I did nothing about it. I yeah. made no decision, and all it did was create negative momentum across that and other aspects of life. So it's 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 crazy. Cool. Well, Hato, cheers for the entrepreneur discussion, and uh, Maddie really thoroughly enjoyed that on uh, decisions and owning owning your shit. Yeah, I think we should do this with three more often. What do you? Oh, look, I think small I think we just branch better. off. Yeah, we're done. Uh, this is the rogue. Yeah, <laughs> Splinter Splinter Minds podcast. Actually, <laughs> let's just fire the other three. <laughs> no, we need Justin's sweet tones. Oh. So I think I think uh, I actually like, don't listen to him. Like I just hear him. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you go? To, you just you just clip. You just cut out all of his sections and then run them through to go to sleep. Essentially, now. Actually, yeah. yes. That That's would be good. Terrible. We actually we would probably be more popular and successful as a podcast if that's what we just did. We just took all of Justin's quotes and words and I just put that YouTube out as channel. a yeah, just as let's, a sleeping remedy. Let's get him to read Fifty Shades of Grey or something like that, and we'll release it as an episode a week. <laughs> They might have a problem with that. Yeah. <laughs> All right, cheers, boys. Boys, um, we'll catch you next time. Champagne. Oh, hang on. What about the drink, guys? What about the drink? Oh, what about the drink? Uh, very, look, love it. it was, I, I, but I knew I was going to love it. So what did you guys think? I thought it was uh, a refreshingly expensive-looking Fanta. Yeah. I agree. Tasty. Good. Tasty. Quite enjoyed it. Um and refreshing to be not drinking an alcoholic beverage. Yeah. As it. I wonder if I wonder if listening back it's going to be any different content-wise, but <laughs> if it goes any deeper or not, because <laughs> we weren't slightly buzzed. But yeah, cheers, gents. Thanks, guys. <laughs>